Thank you, Mike. Morning, everybody. I invite you to take your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. One more time, we're going to be looking again at the Lord's Prayer. And we're looking at the sixth thing we're encouraged to pray about, the last one. And I'd like to just read the prayer quickly together again, one more time. This, then, is how you should pray, Jesus said. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Let's pray together. Father, we come to you, we delight and glory that we are called your children and we approach you on the basis of you, our our Father. Lord, as we look at this passage and this prayer, which our first swing at it is confusing to us, but God, I pray that we we can dig into it and see the beauty of this prayer that we are encouraged to pray. In Jesus' name, amen. We come this morning to the last of the prayers of the Lord's Prayer that Jesus says we are to pray this way. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And we may appropriately ask, how could God lead us into temptation? I mean, why would we pray this? And we understand the question. It's a little like saying to Mother Teresa, Please don't insist that we put all our money into extravagant jewelry and palatial mansions. Or it'd be like saying to a member of the Sierra Club, please don't force us to kill off all the giant pandas and Siberian tigers. Or it'd be like a teen saying to your parents, please don't make me get a full body tattoo. How can we even imagine that God would lead us into temptation. We want to look at that this morning. I've got a simple outline. The first part of the outline is going to be understanding the prayer. And then we're going to talk about how we can be praying the prayer. First of all, understanding the prayer involves understanding what it is not saying. Jesus is not implying that God the Father is the source of temptation. James chapter 1 verse 13 makes that very clear. It says, when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. The prayer that Jesus is is asking us to pray is not, Father, don't tempt me. No, The prayer that he's asking us to pray is, Father, don't lead me into temptation. And there is a big difference, as I hope we'll see. What he is asking us to pray, I think, is best understood by going to another passage of the New Testament in the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 10. And in that passage, Paul is presenting uh, to the Corinthian believers and to us a a reminder of what was going on with the people of Israel when they were in the wilderness wanderings. And he has them go back to the story in the wilderness. And in verse 6 of 1 Corinthians 10, he says this, Now these things uh, 
took place as examples for us that we might not desire evil as they did. And what he does then is he talks about the things that the people of Israel did on those wilderness journey, that they got involved in in sensual, sexual practices that were outside of the will of God and the boundaries of God. They did other uh, shocking disregard of God's will. They showed a spirit of ingratitude and griping and grumbling. And Paul is saying to the Corinthian believers, don't be like them. And the main thing he is saying is, don't be like them because they chose sin. They didn't really want to honor God. They liked their practices, their self-centered ways. He says it in verse 6, they desired evil. Paul says you can choose to live differently. If you desire to serve Christ and to live the way he wants you to, and then in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13, he gives them at the end of this passage, after saying they desired evil and and you don't want to be like them, and he gives various things they did which we can follow in their path if we also desire evil, but then he gives this promise in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13, and here's what he says, no temptation you has taken you. But such is as common to man. God is faithful. And he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. He says, if you have the want to, if you have the desire to, you can find the way out. Here's what he's saying. Many of you have participated in escape rooms you know, where uh, you and probably family members or a group of friends have gotten together and you go in this room and, and you've got to find stuff. And, and, and the goal is to eventually find all the secret ways of getting out of the room. And there's hidden doors and walls and all kinds of things move, but you've got to get the clues and figure it out. And so there are these various clues and you go on one side of the room, the other side, everybody's scattered all around trying to figure this thing out. And basically, you're trying to find what is the way of escape Well, what Paul is saying to us here is when you go into temptation, God is promising that there is a way of escape. Now we come back to Matthew chapter 6. And what Jesus is commending prayer for is that we would be praying, Lord, lead me to the escape. Don't let me be brought into the temptation, into its clutches, let me find the way of escape and let me not be delivered into the evil one's power. Deliver me from the evil one. The Israelites, what Paul is saying in 1 Corinthians 10 is that the Israelites always had ways out of their sin, their temptation. They didn't have to get involved in the sensual practices, but they desired it. They neglected the way out. They went into temptation and embraced it and put themselves into its clutches. Jesus is saying, pray when temptation comes. Lord, don't don't lead me into it. Lead me out of it. Let me find your way of escape. The ultimate prayer then is, we might rephrase it this way, Lord, it's not just leading me into temptation, it really is I am praying, 
Lead me out of it. Lead me through it. Lead me to embrace the escape. Show me how to trust you when I'm tempted to despair. Show me how to honor you when I'm tempted with sensuality. Show me the way to praise when I just want to grumble and complain. The prayer is basically a prayer for God. Help me to embrace the escape that you have already provided in the midst of temptation. Don't lead me into it. Let me embrace your way escaping it. So how do we pray this prayer? Well, I think four things are involved. Number one, we must expect temptation. God does put us in places where we can be tempted. While God does not tempt, he is not the author, the source of the temptation to evil, he allows us to be in situations that can tempt us. He tells us to be in the world. He doesn't say go out and and hide somewhere into, into, into the bubble. He says live out. Live in the world. Live in a sin-scarred, sin-marred world. There will be temptations in a world that throws temptations at you all the time. It's exactly what happened with Jesus. In Mark chapter 1, verse 12 and 13, it says this, At once the Spirit sent Jesus out into the desert, and he was in the desert 40 days being tempted by Satan. The Lord will allow us to go and even take us to places where there is temptations, but he will not lead us into the clutches of the temptation. He will provide a way out. He will provide a way to escape. And just as the Spirit sent Jesus into the place of temptation, he will lead you to those places sometimes. At each juncture of your life, there will be temptations. You will never outgrow those temptations. In your youth, you have certain types of temptations that are more prominent to you. Certainly one is lust. Certainly one is to depend on and and, and think you can do it in your own sufficiency, in your own strength. When you grow older, you will find that it's easier to worry and despair over your lack of energy and your lack of sufficiency. There's all different levels of, of temptation, but we will never outgrow it because temptation keeps coming in styles and forms. It is a lifelong battle. There is no retirement from spiritual conflict. So the first thing, as we embrace the calling to pray this prayer, is to simply be aware that temptation will confront us all the time. Secondly, we must desire to overcome evil. This is what 1 Corinthians 10 is highlighting. The passage is saying there was a way to escape, but they desired their sin. And Paul says this is the problem. Just like for them, God always has a way to escape for his people. But you have to have the want to, to embrace it. The prayer is then, God, help us when we're tempted. Show us the escape door. Deliver us from the evil. But assumed behind that prayer is the desire. So, very simply, we ask the question, do you want to give up your anger? Do you want to overcome your worry? Do you want to forgive your husband? Do you want to give up your enslavement to pornography? 
If you do, and by that I mean you desire God more than you desire that thing, obviously it's something that you get something from and and desire to do to some degree, or it wouldn't be a temptation to you. But do you want Christ? Do you want Him more than your worry, than your anger, than your pornography fix? If you do, there will be escapes available to you. But we must first settle the question, do you honestly want what Christ wants for you above everything else? If you do, there are escape doors. There are ways to overcome in the power of Christ. And Jesus now says the third thing to us, we must pray for God to guide us through temptation. Now, of course, we could ask the question, why pray if God is already going to provide a way to escape? I mean, why do I need to pray? I mean, he said he's not going to tempt me, be, allow me to be tempted beyond what I am. Abel, why don't I just recognize it's going to happen? Why do I have to pray, God, 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 help me here? Well, for the same reason he said all the things in the Lord's Prayer. I mean, think of what he said. Paul has told us, my God will supply all your needs in Christ Jesus. And then Jesus throws this curveball, pray for your daily bread. Why? I mean, Paul's told us that God says, I'm going to supply all your needs in Christ Jesus. The means of which he provides is in answer to our praying, Lord, give me today our daily bread. That the Lord promises to to forgive our daily sins. And yet he says, pray. Father, forgive us even as we forgive those who sin against us. God does lead us out of temptation. He does provide ways to escape, but we embrace those escapes by prayer. Prayer is the key that opens the door, the escape door out of temptation. Prayer shows you how to escape. You want the way out. You desire it. You ask for it. And then he tells us the fourth thing about this praying. We must also be praying for deliverance from our enemy in temptation. This is an interesting passage. Deliver us from the evil one. You know, Satan's goal is not ultimately to get you to commit a sin. He's quite frankly not particularly concerned with what you do with your life. But he cares very much what you do with God. His goal isn't so much built out of the fact that he doesn't like you. And I will say he doesn't like you. He doesn't like anybody. He doesn't like you. But he hates God. And so the purpose and intention and target of Satan is to not have God be trusted by those he loves, to not have God be loved by those he cares about most, who has made his children, to not be worshipped by those that he has given the capacity to enjoy him forever. His goal is to get you to forsake God, to betray God. He doesn't want God's name to be hallowed, as Jesus said as our first prayer. If you remember when we said it, their name is referring to who God is, and hallowed means to be shown to be special. 
He wants God's name to be, to be ground into the dirt, not that he would, he would be shown to be resplendent in his kindness and his goodness and his greatness. It isn't honestly too much about you. It's a lot. It's ultimately about God. But you matter so much to God that if Satan can get you to forsake God, to turn to other things, to diminish your love for God, to say, well, thanks, but I, I desire the evil, frankly, more than I desire you, Lord, just like the Israelites did. That's the goal. That's the purpose of the temptation and, and, and the attempt of Satan to lead you away. It is trying to turn you away from God to something or someone else for what God has already offered to supply to you. The sobering reality in this passage is it's not a one-time deal. The verbs here in this prayer are in the tense that argues for continuous action. In other words, it could literally be rendered this way. Lord, be a father, be continually leading us out of temptation, continually delivering us from the evil one. We see this warning in the New Testament all the time that Satan's goal is not just to get you to, to screw up and to sin. It is to ensnare you. It is to develop in you a life-influencing pattern of life that where the trajectory of your life is, is pulling you away from the goodness of God and the enjoyment of God. And so we're continually praying, Lord, I know he's constantly after it. He's constantly looking, not for a one-time rejection of God, but a life, a heart that is dominated by sin that is blocking us from the enjoyment of God. There are a couple of very prominent sins that are associated with Satan in the scriptures, which he uses to, to that, that I think is very much involved when we pray, Lord, deliver me from the influence of, of, of Satan. One of those is found in Ephesians chapter 4. It says this, in your anger, don't sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Here he's saying, when we hold on to things, when we do not let them go, we, we, we hold on to the anger and the bitterness, we give a foothold in our life, which is the goal. It's always the goal of, of, of the evil one. Not just to make you do a momentary thing that... that that hurts the heart of God as you turn away, but that your, your life trajectory would be living, missing the enjoyment and the pleasure of God. One of my favorite books by C.S. Lewis, actually one of my favorite books, is called The Great Divorce. It's an allegory, it's a picture of, of people that are in heaven, and I, uh, I, I need more time to actually unpack all this, but basically what happens is there are people that come and they've been given a, a, a chance to visit from hell. Again, it's fictitious, but the picture is that they're coming before they have actually made their, their choices, an, an eternal choice. And this woman is in heaven, and she's just a, a beautifully wonderful woman. People, uh, so many people are so happy to see her there, have loved her, have been loved by her. And all of a sudden, this guy shows up. And it turns out it's her husband, Frank. And Frank is, is a dwarf-like character, and he's actually holding a chain in his hand, and 
the chain is attached to the shadowy, creepy figure that is, that is with him. And but Frank is, is now in miniature form. And what has actually happened is Frank has allowed himself to be chained. He, he actually has the chain. But he's willingly grasping this chain which attaches him to this shadowy figure which is a personification of his, his self-pity, his bitterness, his anger. And he comes to this woman who is his wife and, and she's so glad to see him and she's, she's endearingly speaking to him and, and he starts bringing up all these things in their lives. You know, remember the time there was only one stamp and, and you used it when I would have used it and all these petty things. And, and, and the more he's talking and the shadowy figure speaking into him, the smaller Frank is getting. And she's pleading with him, Frank, I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. I'm, I'm so sorry for it. And, 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 but it's just consuming him. And she finally says, Frank, can't you see he's killing you? All is joy here. Let go. But even as they talk, Frank gives in to his retained anger. And eventually, he's getting smaller and smaller. So she's actually down on the ground, speaking with him and pleading with him. Until he becomes so small, she can just hear his voice. He's now been swallowed up in the shadowy figure. Anger or blame shifting or whatever we call it, we all deal with it, have their own kind of pleasure and satisfaction, don't they? Indulging in them is often a way of avoiding dealing with ourselves, but it is bondage. It is being chained. It is diminishing the beauty of our humanness. And most importantly, it is taking us from the enjoyment and the pleasure and the joy of our walk with God. This is why we pray, Lord, deliver us from the evil one. It's striking in, in, in the Lord's Prayer. We're reading this morning verse 13. And verse 13, lead us not into temptation, is couched between two verses talking about forgiveness. Verse 12 and verse 14, 15. The second area, I believe, that is pictured often in the Scripture of a habitual practice that can, that, that, that can ensnare us into a life-dominating is called in Proverbs 29, verse 25, the fear of man. It says the fear of man will prove to be a snare. Allowing people's opinions to be more important than God's. It's a trap that is set for us. It's a snare. People become bigger to us than God. And what happens is when we enter into the temptation to be, to be influenced by people's opinion, people get bigger, God gets smaller, it becomes a pattern in our lives. I remember reading the interview of a, of a man who had been uh, arrested and acknowledged that he had been guilty of a, a terrible uh, hit and run. He'd been traveling too fast in the evening and he'd, on, a, on an outside road, a deserted road, he ran over a little boy and he sped off. He was just horrified. He just sped off. The little boy died and the man eventually was caught and arrested and in this interview, he was talking to the newspaper reporter, and 
He said, I've done a lot of thinking about my life. And I've reflected about my life and my life choices. And he said, I remember when I was a young boy. And I remember there were, there were a number of kids in the family. And his father had a, a, a special prized um, pocket watch. And he kept it in a handkerchief in his dresser drawer. And this boy, now a man, had gone and gotten in there and had pulled out the handkerchief and looked at the watch and dropped it and it broke. It broke into a bunch of pieces on the floor. He quickly put it back together. He stuck it back in the handkerchief and he stuck it in his father's drawer. Eventually his father happened to be looking in the handkerchief again at his prized pocket watch, pulled all the kids together and he said, someone was in there, what happened? And he said, I never told. I never acknowledged it. My father would have forgiven me. I know that's true. But I couldn't bear the thought. Uh, and, and he said it was the first time in a major way I started on what became a life pattern. The best way to avoid problems is not to acknowledge your mistakes. To not take responsibilities. And rather than face the music that honesty would bring about, he said to the reporter, I failed all the little tests until the big test came. And so I fell. Deep down, it was the fear of people. There's the temptation. There's a way to escape. Some of you are living in the fear of man. Maybe there's a specific decision that God is asking you to make. How do you stop the trajectory? You you obey. You obey. So what is the incentive for this prayer? And with this, I close. The incentive for this prayer is the nature of God. Father, Lord, lead me to escape in temptation. Don't let the evil one win. Because I know that the Father is for me. I know that the Father is looking out for me. And He's looking out for you. He's on your side. And if you drink at the well of His goodness and love... You will desire to pray this prayer. Lord, don't lead me into the clutches of temptation. As I'm in the midst of temptation, lead me through to the escape. Don't let me be delivered into the evil one. Let's pray together. Father, listening this morning, there are people you are asking much of. You're asking them to trust you when things are hard. Some you're asking to forgive when they've been wronged. Some you're asking people to obey when they want to run. But Lord, we want to live for you and with you. Show us the way of escape and of obedience. Show us the way of deliverance from the evil one. And Lord, through it, may your name be hallowed. In Jesus' name, amen. Now go in peace to love and serve and enjoy the Lord.